On this week's episode, we welcome the Heritage Foundation President Kevin Roberts. The Heritage Foundation is known as the most influential policy think tank in America. Kevin Roberts became its president in 2021, former college president and professor. Um, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks for having me, Armstrong. It's a pleasure. You know, your background gives you an interesting perspective to speak on this new phenomenon known as the crisis in the classroom. What is the crisis? The crisis from this lifelong educator is that we're no longer in the classroom paying attention to what's best for the child. I say that as someone who, as you mentioned, ran a small college, but also has taught kids K through 12 and from all backgrounds. And I think what distinguished the schools that, that I was at, the school that I started K through 12 in Southern Louisiana was that our focus was on the child. And so the crisis as I see it writ large across America is that regardless of where you go to school, regardless of where you grew up, regardless of who your family is, where you go to church, that the school system as it exists is more focused on perpetuating itself than it is focused on the child. And therefore, we're no longer teaching reading, writing, arithmetic. That's borne out by educational achievement scores or the lack thereof, especially after COVID. But on theory, on difficult to learn concepts, they're difficult to learn because they're not true. And so ultimately, the crisis is borne out of a lack of understanding of truth. And unfortunately, to sum up Armstrong, the problem is that as we form teachers, as we train them professionally in colleges of education, let's just assume all of them have the best of intentions. I'm a fifth generation teacher, so I'm gonna say that. We're not training them well. Uh, they're not prepared for the classroom. And so unfortunately, most of them unintentionally perpetuate the crisis. And I think among all the challenges facing America, that's the biggest one. You um, also can take this to speak to the fact that ninth graders for the first time since 1973 have been decimated in the math and the language category and particularly for those who don't have the resources um, and the technological equipment to sort of help them combat the distance learning. I mean if you look at the math scores it has impacted everybody but uh, for many mainstream kids it's five points, but for minority and marginalized kids, it's 13. Um, you know, it was seen, Kevin, that the government would know exactly what the outcome would be. I mean, you're dealing with very sophisticated, astute people. And, you know, other than fighting for us militarily and keeping us safe from foreign enemies, could you actually tell us what is it the government has ever done in terms of involving itself in problems, whether it's education, whether it's crime, whether it's the prison um, pipeline, whether it's the opioid crisis, whether it's the border crisis, where the government's intervening has actually made the situation not better, but continuously worse. Well, and, the and, and, and whether is that intentional or mm. not? That's, a, <laughs> that's the question, my friend. The, in the recent past, so say the last two generations, during the time you and I have, 
had the privilege of walking this earth? The answer is there, there isn't an example of that. I would say, and this is coming from a historian, that in the 1800s as this country was very proudly building its school system, at the time, of course, not open to everyone, but eventually open to everyone by the, the middle part of the 20th century, that government's intervention in education initially, not in the last two generations, was good. It was good not just in terms of making sure that all American kids, regardless of where they were from, the color of their skin, had an equal amount of resources or roughly equal amount of resources. That was good. But it was also good in a way that I think we tend to underappreciate. It was good in that it transmitted the American values of equality, of egalitarianism, of working hard for what you get, equality of opportunity. We're now not doing that. Government's intervention is now to undermine that. Government's intervention is to undermine, I think, one of the most noble achievements of American civilization, which is that in spite of all of our pluralism, in spite of our checkered past, that this flawed people and this flawed society has aspired to a greatness that has guaranteed, at least until recently, equality of opportunity for all. Now government's intervention is, is not only not sustaining that, it's actually undermining it, but I look at what it's doing and the government's doing in higher ed, in our colleges and universities. It's perpetuating this by overspending. It, if you look at other areas, especially the breakdown of the family, you put all of that into this, this really difficult formula. And in every objective measure, American students are worse off in 2022 than they were 50 years ago. That's not just a problem. That's a, it's a tragedy. Crisis. It's a crisis, crisis because we have to look at these policy problems through the lens of the average American and how that affects young people. And you, I get animated about this because it's the teacher in me. And it is so terrible given how many Americans deeply care about their neighbors, about people they don't know, government has gotten in the way. What is the purpose and the mission of Kevin Roberts Heritage Foundation? The purpose and mission of the Heritage Foundation under my leadership is to restore self-governance to every single American. In other words, Armstrong, we through our daily work publish really good papers about policy, most importantly, the solutions to policy problems. We talk about limited government. We talk about having better schools. We talk about a more constrained foreign policy. We cover every policy area. But the reason we do that is for self-governance. Free enterprise is important. Limited government's important. Federalism is important. These aren't just abstract concepts, they're, they're distinctive aspects of our American life because it, it puts more control in, in us. But if we don't have self-governance, we don't have the right to form families as we would like, to form communities, to attend churches, civic associations, and build American society. That's the mission. And the, the way we go about that, the manner we go about that, is to be cheerful warriors, that we, we don't take mediocrity as acceptable. We see this all the time in Washington, D.C., in Congress, and that's a, that's a bipartisan problem. And so I'm hopeful that under my leadership, which of course I hope is for a long time, that when we get to the end of each year, as I tell my colleagues often, you get to your New Year's Eve party, you're sitting around and you say, what did we accomplish this year? It's that by virtue of our work at Heritage, we, in our way, put more power in the hands of the American people and less power in Washington, D.C. 
You know, I worked for Justice Thomas uh, for many years. And one of the things that I always embrace with him that we just don't discuss enough is natural law. Before we get to all the things that you're talking about, where is the importance and the necessity of natural law? And do many kids leaving high school and college today know or even care what that means? I would guess that if you took a poll of American students, say high school and college, just to make it kind of fair, and you ask them, you know, what is natural law, fewer than 10% could answer it. And it's not a coincidence that at the same time we have seen the emergence of not just a, a government that's overreaching, but a government that is redefining the human person, a government that tells us we can't even define the word woman, that we don't see natural law being discussed by anyone other than your aforementioned former boss, Justice Thomas, who's a great friend of Heritage, by scholars at Heritage, by you, by a few others in the media. That's not a coincidence because if you want to disassemble what it means to be an American, what you're disassembling, to go back to a previous point I made, is our self-governance. That's our understanding to do what we ought. It's not the freedom to do whatever the heck we want because we do have a moral obligation to one another, even those people who vote differently than we do. Natural law undergirds all of that. In other words, to just be really blunt, you can't have America without natural law. And so attacking natural law, first in law schools two generations ago, then in undergraduate classes a generation ago, and now even in the most elite high schools, whether they be public, private, charter, well, maybe there are some charter schools that are talking about natural law, a few privates, that's how you attack America. And so really in, in every respect at the Heritage Foundation, even though we don't always talk about natural law explicitly, we talk about it a lot, and that really is the foundation for everything we believe philosophically. You know, a few weeks ago, around August 2nd, um, uh, the former governor of Missouri, Eric Greitens, lost his race. Um, a document was leaked by his wife that alleged that he abused his spouse and his children. And the media and these PACs and Carl Rove and someone I have great respect for, Senator Mitch McConnell, they took this, the mainstream, the cables, this became the story. He went from being 30 to 40% up, that he loses to the former Attorney General Smiths, um, where he comes in third place. Just recently, just recently, the judge ruled that none of it was true. It was a lie. There was not even a shred of evidence. What is happening to our country? It, it matters not about its politics, but you destroy someone, you lie on them, and then when the truth comes out, you look in the papers the next day, you look at Brian, and there's nothing to mention. Where does he go? Or anybody who decides to run for office? What is the media doing? What are these politicians doing? Well, that example is one of many of this kind of, of problem. And so, as I told people, you don't have to be someone promoting Governor Greitens' candidacy. That's not your, your point, obviously. You just need to recognize that as an American, the media basically runs this country. So much so, to your point as a broadcaster, that your peers in your business are willing to defame someone, whether it be him or someone else, or for that matter, not even someone in politics, say a business owner say a broadcaster, say a public policy guy. And we are ill-equipped 
to defend ourselves, even if those allegations are 0% true. And what has happened is that as this country has become less rooted in truth, as this country has seen its schools teach kindergartners about things that are not good to talk about in polite company, kindergartners, as this country has sort of developed its own religion when it comes to the Green New Deal, that we no longer even understand what truth with a capital T is. And therefore, while it's a tragedy, it's not a surprise to me that in this country where Leviathan here in the imperial city of Washington reigns supreme, that the media are complicit in that. The only way to change this is for Americans not to participate in those outlets. And I think we at the Heritage Foundation have talked about this being a second American revolution. By that, we're not talking about violence, obviously. We're talking about intellectually, that is a sort of our daily habits, that where we go get our news means that it's outlets that don't participate in that nonsense. In, in, in America today, if you look at the state prosecutors and bails and plea bargaining um, and how young people believe that the court system and the prosecutors are embracing lawlessness, no respect for the law, no respect for human life. America is coming loose at the seams. It just seems like there's so many issues. And it brings me to this, with all these issues, with the border, with the economy, foreign policy, Ukraine. You saw our president, and he is our president, and I've always said that, and I accepted it the moment he won. But that speech he gave in Philadelphia with the backdrop of those Marines, one of the most hateful and divisive speeches I've ever heard, to say that what's wrong with this country, 80 million of the people that embrace conservative and moral ideas, this is not about MAGA, it's not about Trump, it's about people believe that America has lost its way of life, its moral compass, its leadership, its integrity, its in character. And yet they like to reduce it to a soundbite about Trump. And then he tries to take it back, knowing exactly what he fed to people who are not intelligent enough to take that and use it in a responsible way. That speech, at best, was hyperbole, but really it was even worse than that. And so I, I, I say that to make this point. I'm a historian, we're both students of rhetoric and speaking. I'm hard pressed to think of another speech by any world leader in the last 100 years that was more divisive. And I, I say that readily recognizing Joe Biden's the president of the United States. I pray for him often, for his well-being, for his guidance. I disagree with him on everything, but at least for me, that's not personal. I know you operate the same way. The point is, when I saw that speech, I was, it was like someone punched me in the gut. And you might say, well, Kevin, that's naive. You know, this is a guy who's a, who's a figurehead for this leftist regime. I understand that. I, I, I do policy work and fight the Biden administration every day. And yet I thought that whoever the president would be, that he or she would be above that. And he's not. And I think that underscores your point, which is that, you know, what our founders called mobocracy has really taken over. It's just that mobocracy is run by a small number of media people in California and New York and Washington, D.C. He is a figurehead of them. But now the fact that likable Joe from Scranton is someone who's the leading dividing figure in this country is a tragedy for this country. And to sum up, the solution to that 
is not more government. It's certainly not more Biden. The solution to that is for Americans to lean into institutions of society, our families, our churches, our neighborhood associations, and rebuild this country from the bottom up. Otherwise, the mob is going to control us for the rest of our lives. Can not the Republican Party, this is just a question, are they so like leadership from individuals that have served this country, will serve this country, that they must continue to look for Trump? Don't we, the party needs to build its roots and tentacles much deeper than the former president? Well, it's a long running problem. And, and keep in mind, I run a policy organization, not a political one. So as I tell people, I'm a conservative, period. The, the fact that the Republican Party, as it's currently constituted, is the more conservative of the two parties is a coincidence. And so when I'm over at Capitol Hill pointing this way because we're a couple blocks from the Capitol as we sit here, I tell Republican elected officials that, yeah, I care if you get reelected to the extent that you and I are friends, but I'm not a partisan guy. What I care most about is that you actually run on ideas and policy. We're on state capital. Yeah, I was saying that the Republican Party has been guilty of not running on policies and ideas. And therefore, it's very prone to personalities. The only way out of that, regardless of where someone stands on the former president, is to be focused on ideas. We have to make sure that our education is better. We have to make sure that our foreign policy is more constrained. Most of all, we have to make sure that when we're passing legislation called the Inflation Reduction Act, we understand it's the exact opposite. Thankfully, just in the last few days, House Republicans, at least, have been talking about a governing agenda if they're in office. The, the primary reason that the Heritage Foundation exists, Armstrong, is to be the accountability partner for elected officials in Washington, D.C. We want conservative reform passed because conservative reform equals more self-governance for the American people. This administration boasts about its job reports, but what we don't talk about often enough is that these are part-time workers temporary workers, they're not really back in the workforce. They aren't. It's, it, it's an awful situation. And there are a lot of ways that we might comment on that, but the thing that strikes me is that this is also a long-running problem, right? This is, this is the development of what economists call underemployment. It's the development of a government that has no accountability internally. It is the evolution of the American work ethic, which Americans of all ethnicities and races have been proud to be part of. That's diminishing, along with all these other important aspects of America. And therefore, to kind of come full circle in our conversation, when the President of the United States says that 80 million of us are you know, basically deplorable, to use a word that you and I have been called before by one of his counterparts, that's just the latest in the long line of assaults on Americans who just want common sense. We're not tied to one man. We're not tied even to one political party. We're tied to common sense. And that common sense is that people need to work for the wages they're being paid. Our government needs to be smaller with fewer employees. And thirdly, let us run our lives rather than the governments at the state level or the federal level. Do you still think America's better days are ahead of us? If we're willing to seize it. I think we've got two election cycles to take the republic back. It's going to require each of us, as I told my heritage colleagues this morning, to tithe to the republic. I don't mean that financially. I mean in terms of our talent and our time. And if we do that, then I think our best days are ahead. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. 